All right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Good afternoon, church. It's really an honor to be here with you, to be the last preacher, to wrap up the sabbatical season. You know, I really didn't think that I would be the last one. You know, there's always that pressure. Like, if you're the last one, you have to bring it. And I was like, God, not me. Am I ready? But you know what? Today, God is saying, Aaron, it's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's what I want to bring through you and through your life. And so, you know, like Daniel mentioned, PB and PS are coming back next week. Very, very excited. Hope you are excited as well. One thing I'll share is, you know what? Let's come on time. Come on shifts. Let's welcome. <laughs> Let's welcome our pastors with a full house. Can we do that? Awesome. So I've been asking the Lord for a word to share with all of you today. And just to wrap up this sabbatical season well, and he led me to share from 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we'll read the first uh, 11 verses together. And so the Bible verse will come up on the screen um, if you can just follow along with me. Now, there was a certain man of Ramathiam Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Alkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Eluhu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord has closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of the soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservants and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Can you bow your heads to pray with me? So, Father, we just thank you that you have a word that you want to release to this house today, God. I just pray that it will be less of me and all of you, God, that in this, through this word, God, that you will be glorified, you will be magnified, that hearts will go just deeper, just in your love, that their hearts will be set free, God, that people will walk away with a deeper love for you, a deeper understanding, God, of who you are, and to be able to live in that place a full surrender, God. And so we thank you and we give you this time. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so, yeah, if you have been walking with, you know, in faith for some time, you've probably heard 
the story of Hannah. This is a passage that I read many times. Like, she was, like, my inspiration, you know? Like, if you grew up in the church, you go to Bible study, you say, like, oh, who do you aspire to be? And instead of, like, celebrities or, like, someone famous, you think of, like, woman in the Bible because that was a godly thing to do, right? Think of Ruth and you think of Esther. And for me, I always thought of Hannah. And I remembered Hannah as, you know, she was a woman of great faith. But she was remembered for her faithfulness in her deep suffering. And so I remember I used to think of Hannah and be like, wow, I want to have great faith like her. But that second part in her suffering, I was like, wait a second, God, I don't know. I don't know about that. So I remember I used to be like, I want to be like Hannah. And then I would be like, wait, God, maybe not. Maybe more like Esther because she was a queen and she was beautiful. So let me pray that I want to be more like her, you know. And so Hannah was just someone like that was my image of Hannah. She was a woman of great faith, but it came from her deep suffering. And, you know, I came back to this passage because when I was praying, asking God, like, God, what should I speak on this week? He was like taking me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I was just reading this over and over again, asking God, show me, show me something new. You know, we sometimes go to the word and we try to like dissect it, right? Look it up like a dictionary or encyclopedia and you try to look it up as a resource. But this time God was like, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to try to find something. Can you make the word come alive? to me. I want to see something different. I want to see something that I have never seen before. And I was reading this and I came and I got stuck on verse 5 and 6 because it says twice, although the Lord has closed her womb. And I remember reading this and I would kind of like skip over it because that part right there, I would get stuck because I would be like, wait God, why, why did you do that? It seemed kind of cruel. But then immediately my heart would be like, no, 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 Aaron, that's not right. You can't think that of God. So I would hurry up and skip over five and six. And I think that's why when it came to read it with the open heart, that's what God highlighted. Although the Lord had closed her womb. And so I was thinking like, God, like, why? Why did you close her womb? And I was thinking about this, and, you know, sometimes we look at, you know, characters in the Bible, and we see their full story. We see their testimonies. We see their victories. So it's hard for us to kind of think in their shoes. You know, think, like, what did they really feel? And if I'm thinking, like, God, why did you close her womb? I'm sure that's a question that Hannah probably asked every day. God, why did you close my womb? And, you know, before I came on staff full-time, if you guys don't know me very well, um, I'm actually on staff here at Living Hope, and it's been two years. But the reason why I bring that up is before I actually came on staff, I was an elementary teacher for two years. And one of the things I would always teach my students to do is stay curious, like ask the why. You know, if, is, do I have any teachers here that can agree, right? Do you guys all agree, right? You're like... Be curious, ask the why, because you wanted to like see the sparkle in their eyes. And you know, Albert Einstein, I really used to like this quote. It says, the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existing. And so you kind of instill, you know, I used to instill my students to like ask the why so they could be curious. Because when you're curious, your heart is just like open. Your heart is open to really receive and listen to what the teacher has to say. And I wanted my students <laughs> to be curious, to have their hearts wide open so they can hear what I had to say, right? <laughs> and you know, teachers do want to think, you know, you want to let your students know that you have the answers to everything. I kind of didn't, but that's what I wanted them to know, you know. And so instilling students with a strong desire to know or learn something is what every good teacher lives for. Curiosity makes learning more acceptable and enjoyable. It, curious students not only ask questions, but they are also active seekers 
they also actively seek out the answer. The curiosity of the why, it propels students on a journey to seek out an answer they never knew. And again, the two things, curiosity, asking the why, it opens hearts to learn and gain knowledge about something you just never knew before. It postures your heart to listen to what the teacher who has to say. And this, I guess the third thing is they were also very eager and ready to learn from me. And so I remember like students who would come to me with the why, they're like, why Miss Kim, not the, why is the grass green? Like, why are the skies blue? Not that kind of why, but where they're so curious about the why. They wanted to like just sit by me, eyes glistening and listen. And I began to think though, like, is this the kind of approach we have towards God? Like, do we come to God with a why God? Like, I'm so curious. I'm sure there are moments where we do have that. But when something in life happens where we don't have the answers to, where it seems tough, you're like, do we come to God with that? Why, God? I'm so curious. I want to know what you're saying. Or is it a different kind of why, God? You know, it's not the why, God, with the question mark. It's the why, God, with the exclamation mark. Like, why, God? There's a little difference in that. And so I think many of us, of course, being the good Christians that we are, we want to say, of course, God, I always want to hear from you, right? I always want to learn from you. But today, God is saying, can we surrender our whys with great expectation, even in the waiting, even in our dark seasons, even when we're desperate for something and we've been praying about it for years and years, and there has been no answer, just silence. And so we see in this passage that Hannah was in a dark and desperate season of waiting, and so to give a little bit of context, she was married to Alkanah, who had two wives, and it said the other was Penina. And, you know, in Judges 21-25, if you're wondering, what? He had two wives? <laughs> you know, he's talking about, like, he was, like, worshiping the Lord, right? But it says in Judges 21-25, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And so polygamy was tolerated during this time, but we know that this was not pleasing to the Lord. And so anytime there was polygamy, it came with great heartache because we know that God's intent for marriage was always between one man and one woman. Amen to that. <laughs> and so we can see this heartache in Hannah's life. She was the beloved and favorite wife. It actually says, you know, that in the passage that Elkanah gave a double portion you know, and the double portion of the sacrifice was usually given to the eldest son. And in front of Penina, she was like, he gave like the, the best to her. So you can clearly see that Hannah was the beloved and favorite wife. But one thing that she lacked, one thing that was burdening her heart was she was barren and unable to bear a child. And, you know, this is still devastating in today's time. But back then, especially in that culture, barrenness brought deep shame upon the family. You know, God declared during that time that he was going to bless the nation of Israel, like all of it. And that blessing actually came through bearing a child and being able to continue, you know, your husband's heir and that lineage. But for her, she was barren. So obviously, she probably was the talk of the town, right? People were looking at her saying, did she sin? Look at Penina. She had many children. Not just one. It says not even a child. It said children. And clearly, she's not blessed because something's wrong, right? We see someone that's not living, you know, in the way we think they should. And immediately, we question them. What did they do wrong? Did they sin? Without even knowing what they're struggling with, right? And we see this even happening in the church. And I'm here to say that needs to stop. <laughs> and so, 
just to continue on, like, imagine Hannah, like, her worth and identity back then. For us, we have different jobs, you know. Our identity and worth, we kind of can put it in other things, although it should be put in Christ alone. You know, for Hannah, her, her role was to be a mother, and she couldn't. So self-worth and self-identity, all of that was probably diminishing. And so she had a home, but no family to call like, no family to call her own. And so imagine Hannah, I shared this earlier, like, imagine what she had to go through every single day, probably asking God, God, why am I barren? Why did you close my womb? And imagine, this is not just even a few months of, God, like, one month, one year, two years. You know, our senior pastors, actually, if you don't know their story, I believe it was eight years, you know, it took them eight years. And so maybe they can relate but for, you know, Hannah, she was saying, like, God, like, this is so hard. Penina has so many. Why do I have none? Years of yearning for an answer. Years of yearning to hear from God. And you know what? Actually, that wasn't it. If that was it, it's like, okay, like, Hannah was probably like, I can bear it. But there was Penina, the jealous one, right? She's, it said Penina provoked Hannah, imagining being in the house with someone who's there to remind you every day of what you're lacking, of what you don't have, right? She became the voice of torment and saying, look what you don't have. Look at me. I got all these kids. Look at you. You have none. That must, that must mean I'm like the blessed one. I'm the better one, right? I'm going to take a moment to pause right here to say, you know what? The enemy loves doing that. The enemy loves putting a panina into your life to remind you of the pain that you have to compare yourself something to compare yourself to something that you're lacking in right we i bet we could all think of someone right now you're like man that coworker got a promotion man that friend although it's my friend it's like man he has he or she has a better job right that one cousin who comes and shares about like their kid and their kid is doing well going to the school right just something the enemy loves bringing something into your life, that penina spirit, to show you what you don't have. What that does is it plants a seed of bitterness in your heart, right, when you start comparing. And it actually says that Hannah was in bitterness of the soul, right? And so when you start to have bitterness in the soul, what it does is it's actually very, like, discreet. You don't really notice it. Like the enemy plants a small seed in your heart, and then it starts to grow, and then you begin to, like, draw a line between you and God, right, because you're like, God, like, why is this happening to me, right, and then you question, instead of asking, like, God, like, I'm curious, I want to know why this is happening, can you imagine if we all responded to God like that in our pain, like, why, God, like, why is this happening, you know, it would kind of be a little weird, although that's probably the heart posture that God wants us to have. Like what we end up doing is that bitterness of the soul, we end up drawing a line, distance between me and God. It's a small distance, but it's there. And you start to question God's motive. God, do you even love me? God, do you hear my prayers? I've given my life to you. If you look at Hannah, her and her husband, like, they worshiped the Lord, right? Annually, they were going to God, like, worshiping. Like, Hannah was a believer. Even for us, like, we, we come to church, and sometimes our questions, our whys aren't answered. And God doesn't answer, and then we grow bitterness in our heart, and that line is drawn. And instead of coming to God with curiosity, wanting to know his heart, we question his motive, right? God, Why? Do you even love me? Do you have a plan for me? 
And so, I mean, I was, I, I did note this, like, if you're actually in a relationship, <laughs> right, and then you, you anger your spouse, right, and then they don't, and then, like, even for me to, like, I don't go to Daniel here to be like, why, God, did you upset me? Like, why did you do that? It's more like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't want to hear from you. I just am mad. So I'm going to tell you, why? Why did you do that, right? And so I know I'm looking at some smiles here. Probably if you're in a relationship, you're married, you know what that means, right? And that's kind of what we do to God. It's not, why God? It's not, why God? Your ears and your hearts are closed. You don't want to hear from him. But what follows after Hannah, um, that was Hannah, when she was in bitterness of the soul, the second part of that verse, it says, she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. That was so humbling, like so humbling. And I feel like this is what starts to highlight her faith, like her heart posture. She takes her, why, God? Why am I barren? This, this area that's like hovering over my life where I don't have an answer to, where it's so hard to bear. I don't have hope in this area. And instead, and she has bitterness in the soul. She could have done many things. She could have been like, God, peace out. Like, I don't want to do this with you anymore. You know, she could have left. She could have been like, I don't want this. Like, I don't want you to be Lord over my life because I am in pain. But instead, she brings her deep suffering. She brings her why God moments. She surrenders to God in prayer. And in the eyes of this world, the term surrender is kind of wrapped up in a different idea, right? Recently, we were at a friend's house, and we were watching, like, a UFC fight. And, like, there's, like, two fighters fighting. By the way, it's so hard for me to watch. But they're fighting, and one guy is getting really badly beat up. And I was like, that's not okay. I was like, okay, coach, like, throw in the towel. Like, what are you doing? Like, he's getting so beat. Like, you know, like, throw it in, throw it in, throw in that towel so you don't lose. You know, like, I feel like that's kind of the sometimes the mindset we have when it comes to surrender. It's like, it's the last option. I just want to throw in the towel because I'm about to give up. This is too hard. But I'm here to say that's not the kind of surrender God is inviting us to. It's not because you're about to lose. You surrender to God because he's the better option, the only option. Yeah, amen. And so just surrendering, surrender, yielding to God because you know his ways are greater than mine. Again, I'm going to say that again, surrender, yielding to God because you know his ways are greater than mine. And so here, Hannah, she comes to God with her, why, God, why am I barren? These questions, and she comes to God in prayer. And when I was, like, med- I was like really meditating on this, and I was like, you know why Sarah, uh, Hannah was able to do that? It's because she knew who God was. She knew the love God had for us. And today the Lord is asking, do you really know who I am? Do you know my love for you? Because what ends up happening is when you hear someone speak the word of God at the pulpit, God starts to make it personal. He starts to convict your hearts. And even for me too, when I'm on the other side and I hear different preachers preach, God starts showing me something about my own life. And I know right now God is really highlighting something in your life. The why God, the unanswered prayer, the lost hope, the area where you don't have high expectation. And God is saying, can you surrender it to me in prayer? And if there is some hesitation, God is asking, do you know who I am? Do you know that I am the great I am? Do you know that I am the redeemer? Do you know that I'm the one who provides? 
And do you know my love for you? And my love for you is that I sent my son to die for you on the cross. And when you know who God is, you can fully surrender and give all of yourself to him, not just part of you, all of you. And um, I'm just going to read out of 1 Samuel 1, chapter or 1, verse 11, just continuing on. It said, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And I remember when I used to read this, I thought, you know what? Hannah's making a bargain with God, right? That's what I thought when I first read. She's saying, God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you, right? Bargain is, if you do this, I will do that. And how many of us actually bargain with God, right? God, if you give me a job or promotion, I'll tithe. <laughs> you know, piggybacking on what Pastor Jeremy shared. God, I'm working so much. If you free up my time, I'll spend more time reading the word. I'll make time to serve the church. God, if you let my children get good grades, I'll bring them to church. Right? God, if you do this for me, if you need, meet my needs, if you answer my prayer, then, then I'll do what you ask of me. Then I'll make time for you. And that's a bargain. And I feel like, right, like God really wants to speak into that today too. What is that bargain you're making with God? Can you also surrender that to me? You know, I was like rereading this First Samuel 1 um, verse 11. And I realized, man, actually, this is not a bargain. If you really dive into it and you let the word speak to you, it's not. Hannah was saying, I'm going to, God, I'm going to give you all of me. My past of why am I barren to the present struggles to even the future. You know, she didn't even conceive. We know her outcome. But imagine, I was like, imagine being Hannah, right? She was barren. She's like living in the torment of Penina. She doesn't, know, she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know what to hope for the future. Yet she has such great faith. And she was saying, God, like, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. That's, ha that's Hannah's declar declaration of saying, God, I'm going to give you my past, my present, my future, all of me. Again, it's not a bargain. She's surrendering all that she had. And so if you take a, you know, the last verse says, um, that she's going to, that I will give the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Just that part right there. That was an, actually a Nazareth vow. The Hebrew word for Nazareth means, uh, simply means to be separated or consecrated. And to be a Nazarite meant that you'll yield to God completely and be consecrated before God. And so she was giving up her future, right? Not even now, the future, one and only son that she's desperately yearning for. I'm not a mom, so I don't know. But if you're a mom, you would know. Imagine, like, having to give your child back to God, right? Imagine, like, that separation. I can't imagine that. But she was, so when you surrender yourself in prayer, the thing that God does is he increases your faith to believe. To believe God can do only what he can do, right? And Hannah, you know Again, I mentioned Hannah didn't know that she would conceive or if she even would conceive. But she had that faith 
because she surrendered herself in prayer, right? And sometimes we are kind of, we have this, we want to increase our faith. We go to God and we're like, God, like, I want more faith, right? In this um, sabbatical season, Pastor Benjamin and Sonny released a word, Summer of Salvation, right? And I remember praying through it and saying, God, increase my faith. Increase my faith to believe for more salvation. And God was saying, you know, like, your, your faith can't be increased through your own efforts, right? That's striving, like, if you try to increase your faith by you just saying, God, I want more coming to church. I want more. You're going to God saying, I want more. He was saying that you're being glorified, not me. And I was like, you know, praying into this. And I was reminded of one of Bill Johnson's quote. He says, great faith does not come with effort, but it comes with great surrender. And so I want to continue to read First Samuel um, chapter 1, verse 18. And it says, and she said, let your maidservant. Um, find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Man, I'm just imagining this, like, man, she had, like, such a desperate prayer, and she came before God, and she was like, God, like, I, I'm going to fully surrender everything. I'm going to have faith to believe that you will do. And then after she was, like, praying this desperate prayer, she got up, and instead of going home to cry some more, which sometimes we do, like there are times I go to Wednesday night prayer and I'm praying for something that's been on my heart for so long and I encounter the Lord and I go home and I still cry about it. I'm so sad because why? My problems aren't fixed. Nothing has changed. Everything's the same. I'm still living in the reality of what's missing in my life. But what she did was she literally got up and she ate, and it said her face was no longer sad. You can only do that if you know who God is. You can only do that if you know the love God has for you. You can only do that when you surrender everything by saying, God, I yield to you because I know that your ways are greater than mine. And so Hannah lived with this question of why, God? Why am I barren? But I just want to kind of re-highlight the things that she did. The first thing was the why God, when she was unsure, even the areas where she didn't have the answer to, she surrendered it before God in prayer. She knew who God was and his love for her. She surrendered all of herself, everything in prayer. And sometimes we read these, like, you know, passages, and there's, like, one prayer that was, like, noted, right? You're like, wow, like, she prayed this prayer one time, and, like, later God answers. And it's like, no, like, the person who probably wasn't recording wasn't following her every day of her life, saying she prayed Monday, she prayed Tuesday, she prayed Wednesday, morning, evening, and night. Like, no one knows that. But I know if this is the kind of prayer that Hannah had, she probably prayed before God every day, right? And it was a daily surrender. I'm sure that prayer that she prayed before God is recorded, again, one time, but I'm sure she prayed that multiple times, Right? And in her daily prayer and surrender, God gave her the faith to believe. God increased her faith. And do you know that he's the one to strengthen your heart, that God is the one to increase your faith? And so for those of you, of you here who says, man, I need strength in the heart, God's here to say, here to say that I'm going to give that to you today in my presence. Amen? And so, but there's more to the story. Like, this is not the end, right? And if we look in uh, 1 Samuel um, 
Chapter 1, verse 20, it says, So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. And I realize, I, I think I shared this earlier too, but like we read these stories and her Hannah's like stories summed up in literally like 20 verses, right? We see the beginning, middle, and end. We're like, wow, like God, you did it. Of course you did it, God. You're faithful, right? But for Hannah, it, it was such a long journey, probably like 10 to 20 years, right? But you know, like God actually answered Hannah's prayer. And, you know, some of us may think, like, wow, Hannah desperately prayed. She got what she wanted. She conceived the son. Like, wow, like, let's celebrate. Like, good for her. You know, but God is saying, no, like, that's such small victory. Why are you celebrating over just that? Like, don't you know I'm a God of big plans? Don't you know I have greater plans than just yourself? Like, prayers to be answered? God is saying, I have more. I have far more than what you can imagine. And if you literally look into this, you see that Israel needed a righteous leader. And Samuel, he was born in a crucial time in history. He needed Hannah to be exactly where she was in her walk so that she would have Samuel to be raised as a priest. God's plan was far greater than Hannah desiring for a baby, right? Like, that's our God. Like, we, oh, we get so stuck in our small problems. We say, God, like, can you answer this prayer for me, for me, for me? Like, how many of us come before God with that type of prayer, God, for me? But of course, we're saying, God, I'm not being selfish. Like, I'll give it back to you. I'll give it back to you, right? But oftentimes, we, ha- we bring these prayers before God because we want greater happiness. We want more peace. Like, we want, like, our lives to be at a good place. But God is saying, no, no, no. Like, that's, very, that's a small mindset. I have a greater desire and plan for you. And Samuel, he grew to be a mighty prophet. And you know what he did? He didn't just influence like a city, a community, his family. He turned the whole nation of Israel around. But you know what? It still, it doesn't stop there. He became the righteous leader who anointed the first two kings, Saul and David. And we know who David became to be, right? He became a king who is a direct lineage of Christ. Hannah's birth of her son impacted a whole nation and even our lives today, all of you here today. Man, I saw this and I was like, wow, God, like literally, wow. Like when we say, wow, God, it's like a moment where we know only God can do that, right? Like we have, like I was like thinking about it. I was like saying, wow, God, we throw the word wow a lot, right? Like we see something cool. Wow, that's cool. Like, you know, we see something we like, wow, that's awesome, right? But it's not that kind of wow where it's like fleeting. It's that kind of wow, God, where you, you just see the beauty of who God is. You marvel at what he can do. And you realize like, man, when God shows up, He can only do what he desires to do. It's by his mighty strength, right? And it's that kind of, wow, God. And when that happens, I realize, like, man, don't you just, like, I just wanted to, like, lift my hands and worship, get on my knees and say, wow, like, God, you are such a good God. And so today, I feel like there's an invitation for you guys to really surrender your why God thoughts, your why God moments, right? And we all have that. It's not even just like, oh, why am I barren? And for those of you who are wrestling with that, like my heart is with you, right? But for others, it's not that. We all have a different why God question that we're asking him, right? 
an area where we're like, God, I don't have hope in this. I no longer have any expectation. I've been praying for years. And so you have an answer. So I tucked it away, those why God moments. And God is saying today, I want to turn your why God moments into wow God moments. Again, like God is saying, he wants to turn your why God moments, the moments where your heart is aching, the moments where you're just like, God, I've just given this up. God, I've just buried this away. He wants to turn those why God moments into a wow God moment. And the thing is, God is saying, I'm not going to just put you through pain so that you can, I can be wowed. I can be glorified. I can be magnified. Because you know what? God is also our Father, and he wants what's good for us. He's saying, I don't just work for my glory, but for your good. Do you trust that, right? And so, yes. <laughs> you know, God is saying, like Isaiah 55, 9, my ways are higher than yours. Can you surrender the why God thoughts and questions to me? Can you come to me with curiosity, with an open heart? Like how I mentioned earlier, that what my students would do. And God's like, I want to make myself known to you. Like come to me with curiosity. And when you surrender knowing who God is, again, you can give all of yourself to him, all your desires, your hope, desperate prayers, everything. When you surrender yourself in prayer, God increases your faith to believe. He wants to take your why God and turn them into why God moments. And I was really meditating upon this, and I realized, like, man, God, I, I know why you took me to this first. And I just wanted to kind of share a story, a journey that God has been walking me through. And for me, like, you know, I actually um, grew up, like, with, out my dad being very present in my life and so I think it, it was one of those things where like it was like mostly like my mom my I have uh, two siblings like an older sister and a younger brother and I remember in elementary years like um, you know your teachers ask you like draw your dream right like what is it that you dream of and I remember I remember so clearly that I drew a picture of like a mom a dad like you know like the three three kids and a dog in a house and I was like oh this is my dream I remember I looked around and nobody was drawing that kind of dream it was like astronaut like doctor like teacher and I remember being so embarrassed and like ah like putting it away and I changed it like designer I think I wanted to be like a fashion designer and like model my own clothes so I was like okay like I'm gonna put that instead right and so like this was a dream like I was always yearning to have and so, like, without, like, my dad being present, and, you know, something happened um, in my life when I was a junior year, a junior in high school. I, like, I received news one fall that, like, my dad was actually diagnosed with liver cancer. And I remember hearing that, and at that time, like, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad, so I was like, of course, but he's my dad. So I remember being, like, like, so sad, and, like, so many different, like, feelings came up, but I remember, like, during that time, like, my, my dad actually, like, came to me and my siblings and made a promise, 
like, you know, I'm going to be around more. Like, I will be the dad that I never got to be in your life. Like, I'm going to be present. And I thought, like, wow, God. I thought this was that wow, God moment. Like, God, like, my dad got sick, but we're going to surrender his illness to you, and you're going to mightily move. You're going to move in his way. And I finally get to have that dream fulfilled of what I drew in my elementary years, the dream for a family. And so I remember, like, praying so desperately, like, for his healing, like, so, so desperately. But, like, there was one night where, like, my mom, she came, and, like, she woke me up, and I was 16 at this time, and, like, I remember, like, just during those three months, like, we were all, like, my church, my family, all of us, like, we were desperately praying, like, for my dad's healing, and I was like, surely, God, you will do it. Because the promise was, or at least I thought the promise was that we would be able to fulfill the dream of my family. Because, of course, God, you heard my prayers. God, you heard my desperate desires for 16 years. Like, this is what I wanted. Surely you would answer. But that time came, and I remember when my mom woke me up, I remember, like, my dad was so unconscious. And she was like, Aaron, like, can you call 911? And I was like, I've never done this before, God. Like, what do I do? And then I just had a moment where, like, I remember I called and I hung up. And I just looked at my dad and I saw him and I realized, wait, he's not saved. He is not saved. So no longer did it become a prayer about, like, God, can you See, like, can you heal him? I remember at that age, I went on my knees, like, crying before the Lord, saying, God, if you don't save him, don't take him away. I was like, you, it doesn't matter. You, you don't even need to hear, like, heal him. I put all those prayers aside, and I was like, God, I just want his salvation. Please, please, please don't take him away until he gets saved. And I remember instantly when, you, when my dad was faced with life and death, my prayers changed. No longer was it about his healing. It was about his salvation. And do you know, like, when we're faced with life and death, what's going to matter is, like, do we have Jesus in our hearts? And so after that, like, that experience I had with my dad, like, the next day, like, I was sent to school, and um, I got the news that actually my dad passed. And I remember thinking, like, God, like, is he saved? Is he saved? And my mom was sharing, like, very, like, happily saying, you know what, your dad actually, you know, asked to sing Amazing Grace, and a pastor came, and, like, they had that moment. And I remember, like, being in tears, like, rejoicing, but there's something in my heart saying, God, like, is this really real like did it really happen and at that time like a month or two later like my sister actually went to like a conference and then there like she had a dream where like my dad called my sister from heaven and said I'm with God I'm with him so go tell the rest of your family to not worry and I'll be okay and so, like, that was the experience that I had. God was saying, surrender, surrender your desire, surrender your dreams. What I wanted was something else, but God saying, I had something better. I had something better for your dad, and that was the gift of salvation, eternal life in me, my presence. Amen. Can we just really, you know, give glory to God for that? <laughs> You know, like, I really wish, like, I can say, like, this is the end of this, like, this, the story ends here. I surrendered, I yielded to God, and everything became better. Like, my dad was saved, 
and like I rejoiced every day. I really, really wish like that was a story I can say because I was like, what greater gift is there than the gift of salvation, right? I knew that with my heart and mind. And I remember for the first couple months, I was so excited. I was like, yes, God, like testifying to everyone. Like I went to Indonesia missions to India, not Indonesia. And I remember I shared that as like a testimony because I was like, man, like God gave my dad the gift of salvation. And so like that's going to it's going to inspire me to go and do mission work, right? And I remember, like, just being so excited. What happened was, like, time passed, and, like, life happened. Reality happened, right? And the struggle became so real. Like, my family, we struggled financially. Like, at the age of 16, I worked multiple jobs, and, like, nothing, like, seemed to make sense. And I saw, like, the pain of, like, growing up, because what I dreamed for was a dad, but I realized if he's completely gone, that dream can never be fulfilled. And I was like... And I realized, like, that, that joy of salvation of what I longed for, that started to disappear. And the why, God, began to come in my heart. Why, God? Why did you have to take him that way? Why couldn't you do it any other way? Why, God? Look at our family. We're just struggling, right? Like, my, like my mom, my sister, my brother, and I, like, we're living this life without my dad, and it was so difficult. And I remember asking, like, God, why? And again, that why, God, because I didn't surrender before God, there was bitterness in my heart growing like Hannah. I was, like, going to church, worshiping, but there was, like, bitterness in the soul. And then a line began to draw, and it was, like, me. I took a step back and said, God, I will worship you. I will serve you, but just the part, because you haven't answered this area in my life. I can't give all of me to you. There is no way. I'm not ready for that. And I remember in my college years, there was a prayer gathering at my church. I don't even remember the years, but I remember, like, I was praying on my knees, and God was saying, like, Aaron, can you surrender your why God thoughts to me? Can you surrender it? Can you surrender it? Do you know who I am? Do you know my love for you? And God was saying, can you surrender can you ask me with anticipation to know that I will make myself known in the areas of your life where you have no hope, where you're asking, why, God, why? God is saying, I know your pain. I know what you've gone through. Again, I really wish the story ended there, right? So many victories. It's like, yes, God healed me. Dad, my dad got say victory. I wish the story ended there. I went to prayer, and it's like, wow, God, I gave you my heart. I gave you my all. I was like, another victory. I wish I can celebrate. What happens is, like, you're, again, your life doesn't change. It is the way it is, right? And God was saying, Aaron, you know what? It's not a one-time surrender. It's not a one-time encounter. God is saying, what you surrendered yesterday, I need you to surrender today, the next day, and forever more. Do you know that your life and your calling with God, a calling to follow Jesus is not a one-time surrender? If you are here and you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you've encountered him, it's not, okay, God, I did it. I'm done. I'm saved. I'm a believer. Like, I entered the kingdom of heaven. Yes, you did. But you need to wake up the next day and say, God, I'm going to still choose to follow you. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, I am going to follow you. Because that is a calling over my life. And God began to make himself known. And what I want to say was I was saying, like, man, even like Hannah, she surrendered her, her why God, the biggest why God in her life, and God really wowed her, right? And even for me, I was like, man, God, like, I'm going to surrender this why God to you, like that moment of, like, God, like, why did this happen to my family at this time? Like, God started to, like, reveal so many things, and that happened when I was 
16. I'm turning 30 this week. And so can't tell if that's the case. <laughs> but, you know, like God was saying, like, like I'm going to show you so many, like, wow, God moments in your life. And I was, like, reflecting on it. And, and so I just wanted to share a few of those why God moments that he did in my life. And I know it's, like, Like, in the eyes of the world, it may seem, like, more broken and dysfunctional. But my mom, actually, you know, she got remarried, like, a couple years later. And she was able to live in, like, the womanhood. At the age of 50, she said, I found the kind of love that I've never experienced. And, you know, like, at the age, you feel like I've experienced it all. Like, I've seen it all. But God was saying, no, no, I have more for you. And it was beyond me. It was not my breakthrough. It was my mom's breakthrough. Everything I wanted for, like, my my parents that, you know, that existed in my mind, like, God answered through, like, my mom and, like, my stepdad. They're doing mission work together. They're serving the church together. They're traveling together. And I'm now living in that, wow, God, like, God, only you can do this in your timing. And I realized, even for me, too, like, I was like, man, God, like, my desire for family, I was like, that's probably gone. What I hoped for at the age of 16, like, what I hoped for when I was in my elementary years, I was like, that's gone. You know, like, it's probably, like, that can't be answered. But, like, the interesting thing, the way God moves is, you know, even for me, too, like, I was praying into, like, you know, I, I'm engaged, and, you know, Daniel and I'm preparing, like, our marriage, and God was saying, he took me back into that moment of my elementary years where I like, drew that picture, and God was saying, like, Aaron, like, I didn't answer it at that age or when, at your age of 16, but I'm going to answer it through your marriage with Daniel, and <laughs> yes, three kids, I guess that's prophetic. <laughs> God saying, my time, Aaron, my time, not yours. My time is different. The way I answer prayers, the way I manifest in your life, in our life, is so different. Can you trust me? Another wow God moment, right? And the last that I want to share is, man, like, I, this week, like, preaching, God took me to a journey. I wish I could say, like, I'm on staff, so I was so excited. Like, I couldn't wait, right? And I was like, man, like, God, like, I don't know. Like, actually, it was the opposite. There was a lot of pain, like, tears and praying and surrendering of God. Like, I need you to show up. I can't. And what I was telling God was, God, I'm not qualified. Like, I need more time. I need five and ten years of ministry. Like, PB started when he was 11. Like, (laughs) No wonder he's a great preacher, like, and, like, if that's my bar, I was like, God, I can't preach now. I need 10, like, probably more years. Like, I'll wait until I'm 40. I'm okay with that, God. Like, I don't need to be here at the pulpit. Like, I don't need that. I'll I'll minister in small group. Like, I'll minister in different ways. But God was saying, Aaron, like, when I was praying about this this week, the first thing that he took me back to was the moment I was on my knees for my dad. And he was saying, actually, when I called you into ministry, was that moment at the age of 16 when you were desperate for someone's soul. And he said, that's the heart of a shepherd. That's how you do ministry with that desperate cry. Can you continue to do that in your life? Again, God took my why God moments and he turned into a wow God. 
like a wow God experience. And I really believe like that's the invitation that God is also having for you today. I know as I was sharing, like I shared the story of Hannah and I took time to share my story, but God is writing a story in your hearts today. And you don't have to be at the pulpit to see and experience that, but God is saying, there are some of you here today who have a why God moment in your life. Like, God, why did this happen? Like, God, why am I experiencing this? Like, God, why? It could be a why of the past, like a why of the present. And God is saying, like, I want to invite you to surrender that to me because I want all of you. I want all of your heart. So if you can just, like, bow your heads as the worship team is just here. I want you to ask God, like, show me, show me what that is. And earlier today during shift, and even when uh, Chanel was sharing, God was saying, like, the word God was releasing today was, I want to take you deeper, deeper than ever before. I want to take you deep. And God is inviting you into that place, like, for you to search the deepest areas of your heart, the area that you weren't able to surrender God is saying, can you give that? Can you surrender all of that to me? Even if I have not answered yet, even if you're unsure, God is saying, can you answer the why of the past, the why of the present? And I'm just going to ask for a moment of silence because when Hannah prayed, she had no worship music. She had no preacher telling her. It was just her and God, and God revealed it to her, that why God and God showed up and gave her that peace. So I'm going to ask you, yeah, just take a moment of silence. Can we all come before God and hear from him and say, God, show me what is that one thing that you want me to surrender to you today? What is that one thing you want me to surrender today? The thing that's been holding back my heart from giving you my all. God is saying, I want you to give it to me today.